get out your paintbrush because we're here for some DIY with Megan Russo. Here we go. You're listening to Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Designing a new home to be your family's sanctuary can feel impossible during the stress of moving. In this podcast, interior designer Jill Kalman shares practical advice, design wisdom, and lifestyle tips for anyone moving to a new home. You'll learn all about the psychology of a well-designed home and how to survive the move and thrive in your new life. Say goodbye to overwhelm and hello to a home you love to come back to every single time. Here's your host, Jill Kalman. My accessory course has finally launched. It is here. So to grab it, you can go to my website and click on course. Or if you go to my Instagram page, click the link in bio. That's right. I'm bringing it to you because over the last several years, it has been one of the top requested things that I get asked. And it just so happens it's what I'm really passionate about and what I've always loved to do. I always felt like your home wasn't fully dressed until I brought in that last layer and I loved doing it and I love styling for my photo shoots and most of the time I bring in all the accessories and get everything styled for a photo shoot. Guess what? The client wants to keep it all. Well, I'm going to show you my secrets, my tips, my tricks. It's going to be in a really simple video course broken up into modules that are going to be easy for you to get resources, solutions, and really quick wins at an affordable price, all with direction from me. So you can have your home looking like those sitting in a magazine or how I set them up for photo shoots really easily. I'm super excited. So if you're scratching your head about what to put on your coffee table, what to put on your mantle, how to arrange it, what to put in your bookcases, You're going to want to go click that link in bio and get this course at a very affordable price. I hope to see you there. Today, I have with me Megan Russo of Wonderfully Made Designs. Megan is an educator, home decorator, small business owner, mommy of four, and lover of all things DIY and decor. She grew up in Queens, New York, and graduated from St. John's University with a BS in childhood education. Megan worked as an elementary school teacher until becoming a full-time mom after the birth of her twins in 2010, and then two other children in 2014 and 2016. I'm saying AKA superhero right here. Megan's business journey began in 2016 when her fourth and youngest child was unexpectedly born with a rare foot deformity. Their correction process required weekly visits to treatments and surgeries in a hospital halfway across the country. Inspired by her desire to make supplemental income to cover mounting medical costs, Megan honed her creative DIY skills to make and sell custom farmhouse signs. With a lot of passion and determination, Megan soon found herself selling more signs than she ever imagined. What began as a side job suddenly became a viable business idea. In 2018, Megan founded Wonderfully Made Designs and opened an Etsy shop selling her handmade items. As her customer base grew, she began connecting with her audience through her Instagram account at Wonderfully Made CT. Megan enjoyed reaching her customers on a more personal level, which paved the way for the launch of her home decor and lifestyle blog. This space is a creative outlet where Megan shares everything from her daily life to her DIY projects and her decorating tips. Inspired by a community of home decor and design accounts, Megan soon discovered a new passion in the field of design. She is currently pursuing a master's degree in interior design at Fairfield University. That's actually also where I went, and she and I had a great chat about that 
I'm so excited for her. And as her knowledge grows, she looks forward to sharing design inspiration and tips with her community and customers daily. So I really look forward to this conversation about DIY, and we're going to talk all about it. Hi, Megan. I'm so happy to have you with me this morning. Thank you for coming here. Hi, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I'm glad. So I would love to begin by just you giving sort of a brief informal introduction about what you do, and then we'll sort of get into the nuts and bolts of how you started. Sure. So my name is Megan Russo, and I have an Instagram account at Wonderfully Made Connecticut, as well as a blog. And today we're going to talk about DIY. And in order for me to kind of give you my whole journey into DIY and how that became a thing for me, I have to go back a little bit. So I'm really excited to talk about DIY today. I think that, I mean, it's always been a trend. I think, you know, with COVID and people being home, I think a lot of people, no matter what their profession, really like DIY and whether it be a craft, a hobby, but stuff for your house, but obviously doing DIY in your home, which is what you do, is really a focus right now. And it's a wonderful creative outlet. So let's talk about your story And because you moved from the city, now you're in the suburbs of Connecticut. And I want to talk about, too, how your DIY story started in your own home. Sure. So when we moved from the city after the birth of my twins, my husband kind of talked me into finally leaving the city. My main thing that I wanted was if I'm going to leave the city life, I want space. I want a large home with, you know, place for my kids to play. Yeah. So we decided to move to Fairfield County because it was kind of the best of both worlds. And I found sort of what I felt was my forever home. Um, only problem was as a bit of a fixer upper, but I was kind of intrigued by that. I thought that that would be a really fun challenge to customize it and make it my own, you sure. know, forever home. So yeah. that really inspired me. And that kind of moving to that home is sort of where my DIY journey began within the home. And we just started working on smaller projects to start. And that really kind of took off. And we were enjoying kind of making over the home a little bit at a time. And then during the birth of my fourth child, um, that's kind of where there was a, a catalyst to change for me, where I kind of took the DIY to the next level. My son at the time was born with a rare foot deformity, and Mm -hmm. it was a very stressful time. Sure. I I kind of really turned to DIY at the time as a distraction. It was very therapeutic. I felt it was something that was a stress reliever. It kept me kind of grounded during that period of time. Yeah. I really used that as a way to kind of focus on the home and, and keep myself distracted. What ended up coming out of that was, you know, obviously, on a side note, my son is fully corrected and all is great. But we did have <laughs> the first two years of his life traveling back and forth to a specialist out of state. And it was, yeah. you know, lots of money. And I decided to take my DIY, my newfound DIY skills, and sort of grow a small business out of it. And I felt like I wanted to be empowered to mm-hmm. be able to contribute to his treatment. Yeah. So I, I, have t- I have two questions for you. Did yeah. you consider yourself like a crafty type person? Or was it sort of a surprise to you that you wanted to do this? I'm just curious. I would say the answer to that is both. I've always been a crafty person. You know, I think that comes naturally to teachers often. I've always been somebody that's crafty. But I would say if you talk to somebody that knew me in my younger years, absolutely wouldn't think of me as an avid DIYer. I never really had experience with large tools or anything of that nature. So I was crafty and interested in learning things. But I didn't have that experience. 
you were probably creative. Would you consider yourself creative yeah, before that? Very creative. And I'm always looking and seeking to learn new things. Okay. But I definitely did not have any prior knowledge or, you know, really any skills in that, of that nature, especially for the larger type DIY projects. That really just came with practice and doing, to be honest. Definitely, I was a beginner. And in a lot of ways, you know, I think with DIY, you're sort of always a beginner because each project you do kind of inspires you to the next level where you're like, wow, I did that. Let me see what I can do next. And I think that's kind of like where I started to start the business. You know, originally, it was kind of just as a way to obviously give myself some extra income and just sort of to throw myself into that as a therapeutic thing. But what came out of that is I learned, you know, in order to make save the farmhouse signs, I had to teach myself, like, how do I learn to use this tool? How do I learn to use a nail gun, you know, a miter saw? And in learning to do those things to kind of start the business, I found this whole, you know, new set of skills that I learned that I could now apply in many other places outside of the business in the home. And that's when I really started to be like, wow, I can use a nail gun. It's very empowering. And all of a sudden you take the tool and you start looking online and you can find all these projects that you can accomplish with that tool. And I think that's kind of how it grows. You know? Yeah. I love that you said, you know, in DIY, you're always a beginner. And I think that that's cool. And I think to just accept that being a beginner is good and that's okay. That means you're learning. Like some people say, I'm just a beginner and they kind of like downplay it. Like, like I don't know enough or I know we could do that in any area of our business or work or whatever. But I, so that's such a good message, you know? Absolutely. And I think with DIY, the thing is that it's not so much learning or knowing how to do it. I think it's really getting over what exactly what you're talking about. Taking that leap of kind of courage, like, opening up your brain to say like, I can do this and really giving yourself kind of that step up to try something new. And, you know, they're saying, I always say with my kids, you either win or you learn the Nelson Mandela quote. And I think that is really, I love that. It really applies to DIY because if you want to get started in DIY, you do need to start small, but you also have to take risks. You also have to be willing to kind of fail because honestly, with DIY, the best way to learn is to fail and then learn how to fix it. So I think being able to kind of jump in and say, like, I'm going to go ahead and give this a try. And if I fail, I'm going to learn from it. And I think that's a really important thing to get started with DIY. It's not so much how am I going to do this or it's just getting that courage to just begin. Yeah, well, it's a wonderful lesson for business too, because you have to kind of try new things, do new things. And like you said, you're either going to win or you're going to learn and you're going to tweak it and it becomes better. One other just quick question I have for you, because you did move from city life to suburban life and that's who you know I work with. Did you find moving to the house in the suburbs, did you find it overwhelming initially because you were coming from like a lot less square footage to bigger square footage? Just quickly, I was curious about if you had those feelings or not, it's a pretty common sentiment, but everyone's journey is a little different. I was just curious in that regard, moving to the suburbs, if it was a huge transition for you or absolutely, not. Absolutely. Yeah. It completely was. I think I'm still sort of transitioning. I mean, once you're a city yeah. person, you're always a city person. There's lots of ways that 
you know, you can make that transition easier. I actually have to say like doing DIY projects in the house is a great way to get started in a new home because it also really connects you to your community. You're yes. getting to like the stores and, you know, you're, you're look, for example, I'll give you this real quick example. When I moved and I started to decide to make the farmhouse signs with the business, at that point, I was really a beginner and I, I really didn't have much skill in terms of cutting the signs myself. And I yeah. went to a local community, you know, Facebook page and said, is there anyone in the neighborhood that has experience with cutting that would be willing to teach me this and yes. you know, willing to work with me? And so, you know, some really nice guys, like I've been doing this for years, I'd be happy to do that. And he was retired. So not only did I meet somebody new in my community and a neighbor, you know, I also learned a new skill from somebody that was a really experienced person that enjoyed teaching me that. So I think that's also a way to adjust, you know, to a new setting, but absolutely it was very overwhelming at first because I went from a small, you know, two bedroom townhouse type apartment style living in mm. the city to an over 5,000 square foot, two acre home. And wow. I think what was really the most overwhelming that I, we definitely underestimated. I mean, I thought, oh, we're going to come in and DIY and fix this all up and it's going to be, you know, brand new in six months. I definitely underestimated that when you're doing a lot of the work yourself, the amount of time that's going to take. Yeah. And also just when you add in that you also have a lot of property, you forget as a city person that now you also have the outside to take care of. You yeah. know, like, you know, normally, I, I, you know, I had like a square box size of, uh, you know, grass on our apartment outside. So that was never anything we really had to take care of. So that's overwhelming in the sense that now you also have the outside. Yeah, it all kind of rolls up together. And we're going to get into talking about community in detail in a little bit further in our conversation. Let's chat about right now, I touched on it a little bit, the DIY movement overall and its popularity right now, because I do think it's kind of popular right now. I think it's always been popular. I think people love watching DIY shows. I think people get inspired. I think now probably, and you can you know, give your opinion on it. But I think with social media, like with Pinterest and Instagram and, you know, even TikTok and Reels, seeing videos of things being done, I think people get really inspired. Like, Hey, I want to try that. Right. I, I think so. I think there's really, well, you're right. DIY has been around forever. Um, it's definitely not a new thing. However, I think it's really exploded in popularity in the last decade, mostly because of internet access and, you know, global access to tutorials and yeah. But I think within the last two to three years, I think COVID also really helped to explode it even more because, yeah. A, let's take the fact that people had more time. You know, people mm -hmm. at home, they were bored. They were looking for things to do, spending time watching all these shows. And so the Internet in general gives people access globally to all kinds of tutorials and inspiration and motivation. And then I think when you put together something like COVID where, you know, you're home all the time, beyond the satisfaction that comes from creating something new, I think people saw, wow, this is a hands-on way to empower myself, to improve my mind and my well-being during a time where people really were looking for stimulation. So I think that's partially why it's so popular right now. And, you know, you can see through watching, you know, these shows or, you know, following, I think also with social media, what you see, I know for myself on Instagram, following other Instagram DIYers, you become very inspired by them to say like, wow, okay, this isn't somebody that, you know, does this normally. This is a stay-at-home mom that's able to do this. And so I can do this too, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, yes. 
And I think, you know, it's funny when we, I mean, we could talk about, you know, everyone talks about COVID forever when we talk, talk about the impacts COVID's had just so in so many areas and this being one of them, but it is. And, and the other thing about it, as far as it being a creative outlet, I know a DIYer who has a very successful like DIY business where she teaches DIY on a very specific thing. But one thing that she mentioned, and, and I've seen it and read about it as well, is that you could be like a big corporate executive where you kind of maybe consider your head more analytic than creative or whatever. But she has a few people that take her courses and they're very, you know, executive in the business world, looking at numbers all day type of thing. And they find this to be an amazing outlet for them. It's therapeutic because everybody, I've done a podcast about this with somebody else. There's a lot of people that are like, I'm not creative. Everybody actually has creativity in them. And it's about whether you can tap into it. And so the DIY kind of allows you to tap into what part of you is creative. So I think that's a really cool thing about DIY as well. Absolutely. It gives you sort of a new outlet to express yourself and kind of find and develop new passions and, and skills. It's Like I said before, it can feel very empowering. I think there's also an element of... People like to be challenged. People like to do things themselves. You know, it's kind of like a challenge of how much money can I save on this? You know, how, how creative yes. can I be? So I think there's a lot of that where, you know, it helps you to uncover these new talents. And, and while, when you're doing that, it excites you to kind of challenge yourself further and more. And it helps you to express yourself. And it can be a real therapeutic stress relief as well. It's also a very connecting thing. It connects you to your community. It connects you outside. But also I found like during that time of COVID, you know, it was a great connection within my family. You know, we were all working together. My dad was here helping us. My kids were getting involved. So it's also, it's fun. It can be really fun. And it's also kind of keeping your mind sharp. You know, you're problem solving. You're also, you know, you're exercising, you're, you're moving, you know, it's instead of spending, you know, the kind of like those COVID days home watching movies and just kind of getting depressed, you know, you're right. out and about and you're moving and you're lifting things and you're hammering and, it, you know, you're spending time outdoors a lot of the time building. So I think all of those things have kind of contributed to the popularity because I think once people had more time to start, you know, getting into DIY projects, once they started doing them, you find all the benefits, you know, and then once you start, you can't stop. <laughs> Because I was going to mention just in general, because you're a teacher, you would be able to answer this really well, like just learning a new skill. Isn't that just so good for your brain and your mental? Isn't Absolutely. Aren't we, we're always supposed to be sort of trying something new, learning something new. It's very good for our mental health and just our brain function, right? It really is. It, like yeah. I said, I mean, there's so many elements and benefits to it, but just absolutely researching, learning something new, being hands-on and tactile, it's stimulating. It keeps your, your brain kind of fresh. And, you know, that's what's exciting about it. You know, you learn sort of how to, you know, express yourself. And like I said, it does reduce I mean, I know for me, especially during that difficult time for me, it did reduce my stress. It did improve like my mood overall because you're actively, you know, focusing on something. You're making plans, you know, you're you're atta attacking things. It's inspiring for yourself as well. Yeah. No, it's stimulating. Like, uh, yeah, once in a while I have this energy, this creative energy where right. I have to make something. So even though I'm, I'm like creating, you know, a lot for my clients all week and things like that, I sometimes actually have to use my hands. Like I'm not a great painter, but sometimes I actually have to, like, I keep canvases and paints in my studio. And right. sometimes I actually literally have to paint something on a canvas. Yeah. I have to make a craft. I have to do something 
just, I don't know. It just, it just sort of releases this certain energy out of me. I also do a lot of cooking, which is super creative, but I have to like do something with my hands. It's interesting. Let's move on to talk about, you know, so we talk about, it's very easy to get inspired, you know, between social media, maybe something on HGTV, maybe something in a website or a magazine, whatever. So you get inspired, but then I think people might get stuck or freeze up and not attempt it because they're like, well, how do I even get started? Where do I go? Where do I learn? What do I need? Now, obviously there's YouTube and there's plenty of information on the internet to get started, but I'd love to hear your thoughts about like going from inspired to like not getting stuck and not doing it. How do you get kind of move through that little passage? Right. Well, I think obviously, like we discussed a little bit earlier, the first thing is just kind of getting that courage and that self-talk to say like, okay, I'm going to go ahead. I want to do something. Like I said earlier, you know, you want to start small, but also take risks. So I think if you really want to get started with something, the first thing to do is number one, this is a good question. I get this question all the time. How do I get started? How did you learn that? I think what I always respond back to people is number one, start small. And what that mm-hmm. means to each person is going to be different based on what your existing skill sets are. You okay. know, if you have something that you're already good at, you know, that you already have practice with or something, start there. You know, so if you're somebody that's worked with tools before, you want to start a larger project, your entry level into starting DIY is going to be different than somebody who's never picked up a hammer, you know, yeah. so start small and you want to be realistic and practical. You do want to push your boundaries a little bit, but at the same time, I think it's great to kind of start with a tool, you know, pick a tool that you want to learn, go and research that tool, practice, practice, practice with that tool, and then find small beginner projects that you can do with that. And when you become comfortable with that tool, that will then allow you to kind of expand to larger projects. I think with that, you know, the biggest things that go into it are, you know, researching, not only just finding, you know, inspiration, but then finding and researching the specific you know, project that you're going to do, watch those tutorials, draw up your plan, what supplies do you need? And then I would say, honestly, my number one thing is ask for help. Truly ask for help because, you know, first of all, the DIY community, for the most part, whether it's blogs, Instagram, they're often really excited to share and help you along the way. So a lot of Mm -hmm. times you can just reach out for help, but also ask for help, you know, Maybe somebody in your family or a friend has a skill that they're willing to teach you. So you you might want to start and say, I have this idea of this small project, mm-hmm. but you have somebody in your family that, you know, is willing to show you how to put that up and give you that sort of tutorial. So definitely ask for help. Mm-hmm. And on that note, I will just say that, you know, DIY in general is doing it yourself. A lot of times people get you know, kind of put off by that word because they think remodeling a house, you know, these major big projects. That is true. And that's sort of the end game that you want to maybe get to. But DIY just means doing it yourself. So you can really start anywhere and start with smaller projects, even start with crafty projects. And maybe the more that you feel confident and say, okay, I was able to do that. Just keep moving your level up to what's in your comfort zone, you know? Right. You want to just like sort of start using your hands. I mean, what stuck with me when you and I had spoke one time was like, I think you mentioned sort of like, 
you know, you don't need this whole like workroom or toolbox or whatever to get started. Just start with something that you like, learn about that particular project, what tools you might need for that project. And tools could mean a paintbrush, a sponge roller, and, you know, a stencil. It might not mean like hard tools. So people need to like know that, yeah, I mean, it could be something. And there's ways, like you were saying, I mean, you don't, sometimes it could be just a DIY making your own farmhouse sign, you know, and you don't have to use lots of big tools to, you know, to do that. Like I said, in that sense, you could maybe use a stencil or maybe you want to just do a smaller kind of crafty type project to get started where you're making a frame for a mirror or repainting something. You know, even I think a nice entry level sometimes is, you know, making over some old furniture pieces, you know, starting with paint. I think, you know, paint is truly... I would say that's like one of my number one tools. I mean, paint can transform anything. And paint is sort of a beginner level in the sense that it's not cutting tools. So start with painting projects. Start yeah. with, you know, redoing furniture or something that gets you working with your hand. It's funny because one of my first businesses was I was buying like furniture from like the 30s and 40s. And uh-huh. then painting it. And I was selling it like I had a one of those booths in like the antique group shops sure, yeah. and I was selling it. But uh, but I would also do it in my own house. Like you could take a piece where you look at it and it's like that dark brown sort of uglier right. furniture. But if you really look at the shape and whatever, all of a sudden you throw a paint color on there and sometimes it could just be white. And then all of a sudden that stuff pops and it takes on this whole new life. And I think you have a good point, like just starting with paint because paint is super transformative, which sort of leads me into my next thing, which is talking about the transformation that DIY can give and its benefits. Sure. Well, I mean, absolutely the level of DIY in terms of how much you can transform your home is really amazing. And when you watch some of the things that people do on these, you know, shows and even just, you know, blogs and things, it's really inspiring in the sense that I think, you know, you really can learn pretty much anything. With that, I will say before I jump into the transformations, I will say I do think that you should have limitations for yourself because, Mm -hmm. for example, like for me, I do have the limitation of that I'm not going to do anything electrical. I don't touch electrical things, you right. know, that I use to the pros. Yeah. So I think you really have to sort of have boundaries within where you're reaching to and what your expertise level. That's not to say that I might not ever get there, but I'm not there and I'm not going to mess with that. So you want to, you want to keep to transformations that are going to be successful for you and not kind of bring your house down. <laughs> well, yeah, and actually I'll just say, I always advise homeowners, regardless of DIY, electrical paying a licensed electrician because people think, oh, it's so expensive. I always say don't ever waver from that. People don't realize the stuff that can like literally burn your house down. And electricians charge a certain amount because they are trained in a very specific way. And it's a certain education and licensing they have to get that you can't just sort of do yourself. And if you get someone that doesn't know what they're doing, it really can be a hazard. So yeah, that's that's a good disclaimer. I feel a little bit the same way about plumbing, but um, (laughs) so... I was just going to add that. I was going to say, for me, those boundaries are, you know, nothing ever that involves electrical, plumbing, or even anything that I just see is really something that's a danger. Like, I'm not going to go out and try and cut down a tree or climb on my roof. I think you need to be realistic within, you know, the things that you're taking on if you're not an expert, you know, because you should, there are experts out there for a reason. So I think in that sense, it helps people to get over that 
sort of blockage because DIY doesn't mean that you have to be doing projects of that level. You know, you can still really transform your home. I know on Instagram, you know, I had a lot of people that asked me a ton of questions about my really budget DIY bathroom makeover. By the way, I was just going to bring that up to you because that's a good example of a transformation. So I'm going to let you talk about that. Sure. I mean, that really transformed the space and it literally cost me under $500 and there was nothing technical about it. You know, there was no, no plumbing, no removing of walls. It was really paint. I mostly used paint. That was it. So you can really transform your home and a particular room on a very small budget with very minimal tools and minimal experience if you're willing to kind of take the time to do the research beforehand. And with the bathroom, you know, I had a very 90s pink bathroom. Everything was pink. The floor tiles were pink. The shower is pink. The countertops were pink. Everything was pink. And so I just was, you know, this is just a bathroom that's kind of an extra bathroom upstairs that my kids use. And I didn't want to do a full reno of that bathroom yet because I don't need to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's actually perfect height and stuff for my kids right now. So I want to, and it's also a bathtub and I'm using that with my younger children. Of course, we need that. Yeah, when I want to do the reno, I want to, you know, do a full nice shower and everything. And I don't need that right now. So there was no sense for me to renovate. However, just because I'm not ready to renovate doesn't mean I have to live with it in its ugly state. (laughs) Right. So tell the audience specifically what you did in there, because I know what you did, but I'm going to let you tell them in a few easy steps what you did. Sure. I mean, I just basically kind of looked in the space and said, what can I do to make the most impact to kind of give this a fresh update? So I started with the things that were most annoying to me, which were the tiles. You know, the tiles were in perfect shape. There was no problem with the tiles. They were in great shape. They were just pink and ugly and kind of dingy. So I did a lot of research on tutorials about, you know, painting tile. And I found there's tons of products out there where you can really paint tiles to look like these expensive tiles. And it's really just paint. And I will say one of the questions I always get about this is how are they holding up? Well, as of now, they're holding up perfect. And it's really been six months since I did this project. And I have four kids using that bathroom daily. Yeah, we do that. all. We've painted tile before, like my decorative painters come in and we've done that. And what else did you do besides the tile floor? So I painted the tile floor. I painted the cabinets. I also painted the countertops using a specialty sort of faux marble. Yep. I've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah. And I epoxied it. And it's amazing because I fooled a couple of people that have come over to fix things that they can't believe it's not real marble. Yeah. And just as an aside to the audience out there, there's a kit I believe you can buy to do that. Yeah. There is a kit. It's called the Gianni Ink, which is a little bit on the more expensive side. I went with that one because it had the epoxy and the whole kit built in. But I've also done it using Heirloom Traditions because they have the waterproofing kit. So I would recommend both of those kits if you tried that. You, You can get that information on my blog. But I also used the same paint to paint the sink itself. Mm -hmm. And then I did a faux shiplap wall and just painted and put up some, you know, custom cut farmhouse, you know, wood shelves myself. And it's insane. Like, it it just looks like a completely new bathroom. And it it didn't take me more than a week to do. And the bathroom was completely usable almost right away. So we didn't have all the hassle of the renovations and stuff. And my kids are all like thinking it's a brand new bathroom. (laughs) Did you have to change out any of the hardware, like a faucet or anything? Or did you... 
I painted the hardware. <laughs> you did. Okay. See, so yeah. you did that. So that's good. Yeah. So it is very transformative because, you know, at the end, I'm going to let the audience know, you know, you'll let them know where to find you. But when you go to sure. Megan's Instagram and when you see her things, you're going to see this transformation. And like she said, it was a week of her time using paint, but you know, even if it takes you a few weeks because you're doing it just on the weekends, who cares, you know? But the transformation can be major and paint always has been hugely transformative, whether you're just painting a room or a piece of furniture or a whole bathroom like you did. One other thing I want to mention is as far as transformation and DIY benefits, I mean, there's a cost savings, obviously, but I actually think there's a huge benefit with DIY, with personal satisfaction, when you have done something yourself, the personal satisfaction you get out of that is really huge. Absolutely. Sure. Yes. Honestly, there's a lot of benefits to the DIY and the more obvious ones are you can increase your home value. You can save a lot of money. You also have sometimes a little bit more access to customization on your own on your budget, you know, and also I think another big thing about DIY is doing things on your timeline. You know, I have a busy house with uh, four young kids and totally, you know, renovating rooms right now is just not something that I could handle, right. you know, with big construction going on. So I think also being able to do things on your timeline is a great benefit of DIY, but those are the more obvious things. I think as we kind of, you know, touched on before, there's so many, you know, other benefits that go deeper in terms of, like you said, that sort of that pride and the self satisfaction of, you know, learning something new, trying something new, teaching yourself something and sort of that pride of being like, look what I did, you know, and, and like, challenging yourself. And you bring up a good point that you have control. So it's cost savings, you have control, there's personal satisfaction. And, you know, in the home design arena that I'm in, you know, a lot of people are really inspired and want to do it on their own. And it gets frustrating because it seems easy as designers and with social media, a lot of it looks easy. But when people go to do it, you know, if you hire a painter, if you buy one piece of furniture, it can sometimes be a very expensive mistake. And so like I'm stepping, I started to step into the DIY arena last year with my business with an accessory course, and I'm going to be stepping into it much larger in 2022 with a bigger DIY course to show people the process I go through to design and decorate a room with professional guidance. And I want to do that because I think people love getting their homes done. It feels intimidating to hire a designer. You might not want to have somebody else help you. And I think that's all okay. And so I want to be able to teach people how to do it. And I think that if they do it, like if they take one room on and they do it on their own and maybe they start small, a guest bedroom, whatever they're going to do, and they'll get a lot of personal satisfaction and that will give them confidence to move forward, take those same skills and apply it to the next room. So yeah, I think there's a lot of benefit in that regard. And I actually can't wait to sort of get further into being a teacher of it so people can go do it themselves. But yeah. Yeah. And I think there is really like a synergy between, you know, my first career teaching and kind of DIYing and even, you know, in general is that, you know, once you learn something, it's really exciting to share it with other people. And a lot of that is teaching other people. Sometimes you don't need to just hire a designer. You know, maybe that's what some people want. You want to have the designer come in and just do it all for you. Sure. Some people really like to be more connected to the project and have more input. And so I think in that sense, you know, you're using somebody for their guidance and their expertise, but you're also able to kind of put your own spin on it and really be involved and learn some new skills at the same time, you know, so that guidance from someone like you in that, you know, in that way gives people the confidence to kind of be more involved. And I think when you're more involved in, you know, perfecting your home, transforming your home, it just feels more like a forever home. It feels more like it's yours. 
Yeah. I mean, we're so connected to home regardless of COVID. I feel that we are. And then with COVID, we are even more. And I think that I've noticed throughout the years, part of the reason I'm doing this is even some of my bigger clients, like if they could have done it on their own, they might've like, they would sort of welcome the opportunity. Let's put it that way. I think there's a large percentage of the population that really would welcome that regardless of their budget. It's not even always about saving money. It's about sometimes they just don't want to have somebody else in their house and that's okay. You know? So yeah, I think that actually ties really into even what I was saying, your own timeline and COVID with that. In the yeah. sense that I think for me, I got a lot of stuff done during COVID. Another main reason was because I couldn't get people in my house. You know, I couldn't, I either couldn't have people in my house right. or, you know, people weren't available for months and months and months. And right. so, you know, I, I kept looking at this blank space on my wall where I needed rustic shelves and I'm like, I can do this myself. I don't want to wait anymore. You know, or you bring up a very good point because today I was just talking about, you know, the supply chain is only getting worse. We think that it's going to be getting better. It's actually getting worse and worse and worse. Things are taking longer. And there are certain things like you mentioned where you can sort of grab the bull by the horns and maybe take it on your own and get it done quicker without the interruption to your life. So I want to move on to, we've touched on it and you had brought it up when we spoke, which I think is a really good point. The DIY community that exists is such an important connection and I'll let you talk about it, but you know, between Facebook groups, blogs, other things, it's a major connection and connections very big right now, just between social media in general, it's connective and yet it's not. And so I think like just having like that direct connection with something specific is really cool on social media, like a Facebook group for DIYers. And then, you know, you even talked about personally connecting in your community. So let's chat about that briefly and then we'll get on to where people can find you. Sure. So absolutely. I think that community and connection is one of the big benefits of DIY. I can honestly say with myself, just getting into my Instagram account and hooking up and networking with other DIYers and bloggers. I've created some friendships for people that I've never met and probably never will meet, but I consider them really good friends. Mm -hmm. So I think it does open you up to sort of, you know, global possibilities in terms of, you know, friendships and connections. So I definitely think that there is a huge community out there that's, you know, ready and willing to kind of help you and guide you. And it's really easy to find. Like I said, like we talked earlier, I mean, just going to YouTube, Pinterest, certain hashtags, you know, Facebook, or even just simply doing a Google search that will often bring you to blogs. You also have obviously, you know, HGTV and Discovery Channel and things like that. But you're really being able to connect into your neighborhood and your community by finding workshops and connecting to local people. You can often your community centers or your, you know, local colleges will offer woodworking classes or, you know, Michael's craft store. And when you go there and you do something, you're going to meet local people and friends and make connections. So definitely there is a component there to getting to know your neighborhood and that community part of it. I think there's also an extended part of that because once you become a DIYer, and you start learning new skills, you're also able to get connected and give back to your community when you're now able to teach your new skills. So for example, you see, you know, people getting involved with Habitat for Humanity, or possibly you're lending a new skill to your community teaching someone or going to a school or community center. So there's so many avenues for community and connection that I really think it's one of the bigger benefits of DIYing. 
Yeah, no, I think that's great. And also, wouldn't you say with Facebook groups, I find in general, no matter what the group is, it's a very supportive community. So like you could, you can like say, if you have a specific question, right? So this could be good if you're beginning DIY or like we said, starting up, join a Facebook group because you'll get support there. You could throw out a question like, hey, I've started doing blah, blah, blah. And can I use this? Can I do that? And like, you can get questions answered in a community too. I mean, that's pretty cool too. I mean, anywhere with, and that's true of YouTube as well. But yeah. Facebook is a great place for that, especially if you're looking for local communities, you know, or, you know, where you can actually meet the people. I mean, there are communities on Facebook where they're, you know, large and they're global. And often if you just post your question, you will then get all kinds of comments linking you to, you know, blogs and other smaller communities. And so you can often, you know, have this broad general, you know, global sort of connection. And then through that connection, you're also going to be able to, you know, get down to closer connections in your local community or your local town, or, you know, just your local area. And people are always going to come on and say, check out my blog, or hey, I live here, you know, I could teach you that, you know, or for example, if you go into Facebook and ask, you know, where can I learn to do, you know, signs or something, you know, there's lots of local businesses around here that have crafting, you know, workshops and fun things to do where you're making something and you're having fun. There's like here in Westport, we have like AR workshop and board and brush and places like that, where, you know, you can go out with your girlfriends and, you know, have some wine and cheese and make a sign. And in the process of doing that, you're learning how to use new tools. So you're having fun in the community with your friends, but you're also learning new skills and kind of gaining new information. So I think that it's really a huge benefit and there's so many ways to connect through it. Yeah. I mean, you can network digitally, network in person. So it's really great. And the networking digitally might lead you to something in person. So that's super cool. This has been an awesome conversation. What I would love to do is close the show. You've given us so many tips and advice, so you could be cleaned out. But if you have any sort of quick tips or advice for the DIYer, somebody that's just starting or whatever, and then I'd love to tell listeners the best way to reach you, your website, your social media platforms, a blog, whatever you have that you'd like to share. We put it all in the show notes, Megan. So everybody can click and link right to you and I'll let you take it away. Well, I think my best tip would just be that if I can do it, anyone can do it. So (laughs) I think you should really, if you're hesitant because, oh, I'm not crafty or whatever, I think really anyone can do it. And I think that's the most important tip is if you have an interest in it, or even if you don't have an interest in it just yet, that I think it's something that you might want to explore because there really are so many benefits that you might find once you start doing it that you actually love doing it. And so I think don't let anything stop you from kind of moving into that DIY world and where you enter your entry level, you know, doesn't have to be a big project. Start with paint, start with something small, and maybe you'll find this new skill and this new passion that's going to lead you to other things. So I think my biggest tip is, you know, start small, take risks. And, you know, remember to go with that quote of, you know, you either win or you learn, you really can't mess up in DIY because for the most part, you're going to learn from your mistakes. So I think that's my biggest tip is to just do it. You know, that's the best way to get started with DIY is to just say, hey, I'm going to do this, do your research, pick a small project, learn a new tool and just have fun. I think that's the most important thing. Have fun and really you're going to then reap the benefits of DIY. And as we discussed, there's so many benefits of DIY. Yeah. And I I love that you said that like you might discover a new passion and that's a big thing. And honestly, I mean, that's kind of how I landed up in my business because I realized that I was really passionate about home design 
after being home with my kids for a certain amount of time. And that led me because I was doing stuff at home and getting my home decorated and learning about this and learning about so many things. And then I decided to go to school and get a formal education and then the rest is history. But that's a really big thing because you might tap something within yourself that you don't even know is there. Even if you don't, if it just becomes a therapeutic hobby, that's an amazing thing too. And I think, you know, same as you, I have the same experience. I mean, starting DIY really led to something new. It led me to creating a new business, which led me also, just like you were saying, to finding and discovering a new passion. I mean, through my business and the DIYing and the Instagram, I realized, wow, I'm really passionate about design and the home. And I too was inspired to kind of changed my career from education and I am pursuing a graduate degree in interior design now. So I think, yeah, I mean, don't be hesitant to start because it may not just be a small little project. You really never know. Anyway, let everybody know the best platforms to find you on, Megan. Sure. So best platform to find me on is Instagram because I'm on there daily. So that's at Wonderfully Made CT, Wonderfully Made Connecticut. I'm on there daily, always sharing projects and things and linking back to my blog, which is where all of my DIY projects live. It's also sort of a lifestyle blog. So I have recipes and family and design tips. So those are my two best places to you know reach me. And when you link to my blog, that also links to my shop and all my other platforms as well. Okay, that's excellent. It's been so nice having you here today. And I really hope that we have inspired people. And I hope too that I think DIY, I think you can feel DIY inspired really easily, like we talked about. So what I hope it further inspires to go from that feeling of, yeah, I want to do that to just going and doing it. So thank you again for being here. I really appreciate the conversation. And I know you and I'll talk soon. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Jill. Have a great day. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Megan. DIY, listen, it's been around a long time and it's always been something people are drawn to. I think recently it's catching on a lot again. And I really love what Megan has done. If you follow her on Instagram, it's so cool to watch the transformations that she makes. I'm really stepping into the DIY arena myself. I started one course because I want to teach and show you how to decorate and design your home because I think a lot of you have a lot of interest in doing it on your own and don't want to feel like you're held to having to get a professional. And there's some things that you are talented to do on your own and have enough of an interest that you want to do on your own. So I'm really excited. I've already launched a mini course on accessories and going to... 2022 launch another course for you so you know how to actually design a room. I'm going to show you the process that I use to get a room decorated. And I think like she and I talked about that no matter what your career is or what you're doing in your life, DIY is an awesome outlet. It's therapeutic. It taps into your creativity. Like I said, There's a lot of people that say, well, I'm just not creative at all. I can't do it. You just have to allow yourself because creativity actually is within all of us. And I think that you might even discover, like we talked about, a hidden talent or a real true passion that could become a business. You never know. So I hope this has been great. Give Megan a follow. And from my home to yours, I will see you here soon. Take care. And as always, you're going to want to always head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com. I've got a wonderful new freebie for you called the Room Planner. 
And most of the time that you're not getting your house decorated, it's because you don't have a plan in place. This helps you cover it all and get it in motion so you can accomplish your home design goals. Go grab it now. It's totally free. And my course is also still available on the website along with so much more. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welcome Home to the Suburbs. Head over to jillcalmaninteriors.com to learn more about designing a beautiful new home while minimizing the stress of moving. See you back here next week.